Hello, and welcome to the Wild Honey Into Being Project. This is Gina Green, longtime yoga practitioner, teacher, body worker, mother, and writer. I am in love with the beauty and mystery of this life, inquisitive, engaged, and enthusiastic about leaning into the fullness of living. I hope to share some of my writing with you, reflections, meditations, wonderings, and perhaps even a little poetry. The Wild Honey Into Being Project is just learning how to breathe. I hope you'll take some time to breathe along with me. I bow my head and offer up gratitude to the Kalamazoo Artistic Development Initiative, a program of the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo, for supporting the creative process of this and many other projects. And heartfelt thank yous to some amazing friends who have helped me along the way. Aubrey Jewell, instigator, editor, photographer, and gentle prodder. Joshua Holcomb, a musician friend who took my honey hum to a new level. Today, I'll be sharing some thoughts and stories around my relationship to resting and sleeping, how it has changed over the years and become a more integrated part of my living. Perhaps you'll discover a desire to explore this journey too. What does it mean to rest? I can rest a book on the table, my head on a pillow. I can rest into a receptive state of being. I can rest into deep, restorative sleep. It appears that there needs to be a willingness to put something down, to let something go. Perhaps a lot of somethings. To slow down, to relax, to be still, perhaps even with some support. And it seems to help if there is a kind of trust in where we have been, where we are now, in what we have offered, as well as our potential, and in the wide web of connection that holds us. What if rest is actually a most radical surrender into gentleness, connection, and self-love, an essential empowering offering to our own health and wholeness? Rest is something we all need. It might be the one thing that allows us room to evolve out of difficulty out of illness and loss, out of the depths of depression or confusion, and back into the dreaming of possibility that is this creative life. Learning how to embrace rest, relaxation, gentle enjoyments, and the quiet time of reflection and creativity is something we all deserve to understand and experience in our lives. Rest and sleep aren't just things we need to do to keep going. They can be more than the collapse into exhaustion that many of us know when we have pushed past our limits in order to complete a task or meet an expectation. Instead, rest can be a loving offering to self 
time to explore deeper relationship with our intricate and wonderful bodies, hearts, and minds. I have spent many years undoing the practiced action of doing, 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 and along the way my relationship with rest has changed. It turns out that resting and being are close friends. One opens the door for the other and vice versa. Settling in, exploring the soft and subtle experience of body and breath, finding a rhythm that supports the gentling into sleep. They all ask for our attention and presence. For many of us, they also ask to be a practice as it can take time to develop the skill to enjoy subtlety. Sometimes I find myself feeling uncomfortable and apologetic around my need for rest. It is interesting to note that when I witness someone else demonstrating their commitment to space and rest, I feel inspired and encouraged. Yet when I strive to create the same thing, something happens inside. I notice worries about having enough, being enough, whether I've done enough, and how my rest is going to impact those I care about. These thoughts and feelings can feel like little hooks that pull me out of my ability to claim rest or to soften into it. The concepts and beliefs that we hold around rest and worthiness, consciously or unconsciously, just might sometimes, possibly, get in the way of our ability to receive it. When we listen to other people's stories, we are sometimes able to relate to ideas or feelings that we may not have noticed on our own. We are often able to shake up our own perspectives enough to peer in at them from a different window. I'm offering a few of my experiences with rest in hopes of encouraging you to think about your feelings and thoughts and beliefs. The first is about my eldest child, Maya. She entered the world with a deep urge to be next to my body, touching it at all times. I would rock her to sleep, gently place her in her crib, and she would respond with an urgent, loud, and committed wailing. It would only get louder and more insistent if I tried again. It would become more and more difficult to soothe her. How loud did she need to be for me to listen? Little baby bodies teach big mama bodies all kinds of amazing lessons. Maya taught me how to let go and rest into experience with her. It wasn't easy to acknowledge that I wasn't going to get the dishes done or have a half hour to read or watch TV with my husband. There was a missing of what my life had felt like before her birth. I discovered that the desire for what was before or for doing had an impatient quality in my body that readily translated into tension and wakefulness in Maya. It was a buzzy, active, on quality that was being shared with my little one and keeping rest at bay. If I was holding on to a desire to get up and do something, it was apparent and we would both be awake until I let it go. 
When I released it, my body would soften. And then Maya's body would soften in response. In those moments, there was nothing in the way of my ability to celebrate the beauty of a little foot on my bare belly while my child nursed and settled and tried to understand the rhythms of their own new body and breath. Maya was, and often still is, the teacher of ultimate being. This was a time of shifting waters for me. My priorities were upended, and my normal rhythm changed in order to support my little one. The wide-open, safe, loving, tending connection between Maya and myself was a new experience for me and one that began to flavor my relationship with self and others. This next story jumps ahead to the period after weaning my second child when I was finally ready to take time away from home to be alone. Time away from the constant responsibilities of motherhood was strange, healing, uncomfortable, and oh, so very difficult to claim for myself. I started to visit Gilcrest, a beautiful retreat center, for a couple of days each season. The preparation for leaving was intense and, in hindsight, often unnecessary. It became clear to me that mothering was an emotionally, mentally, and culturally sticky job that I didn't know how to hand over. I would walk into my small, all-to-myself cabin and discover my often silent companion, exhaustion. A nap, the first and foremost need. And then, hours later, after waking And taking a walk on the sacred land, I would notice my perky ears letting go. I wasn't listening for the sounds of others anymore, responding or tending to them. Hmm. I would sit down and create a list of to-dos, sometimes more than one, where I could catch the unruly repeats of things to remember, to follow up on, to complete, to ask about, and truly let the thought cycle go. (sighs) And when this letting go happened, I would notice that there was energy left over, and this energy was just waiting for me to turn those perky ears toward my own body, mind, and heart. Every visit began this way, even when I didn't want it to, even when I tried to outcreate it with a grand plan for my time away. Some visits would indeed contain creative explorations, yoga, and the writing of new poetry. Some were filled with light fantasy novels and catnaps. The latter were harder for me to relax into, yet I discovered over time that the fantasy binging would eventually give rise to more focused and diligent writing. It was good for me. I had support for taking care of myself in this way. Yet the days before my departure would almost always include comments or questions that doubted my preparations or the ability of my husband to take care of the kids. 
it was as if we all intellectually understood the idea of a mother needing time for herself. But the history of mothering was running a different story altogether. There would often be a last-minute call for my attention that would leave me wavering. I railed against this. I caved into it. I began to expect it and plan for it. I pushed through it to the freedom of a night and a day away. Each time I held for myself, it got a little easier, and I realized everyone would really, truly be okay without me. The people in my life could figure out how to take care of themselves and each other. While we all want to be needed, wanted, and missed, we also need to balance this with needing, wanting, and missing our own sweet selves. In this experience, you might be able to see that I was challenging my own beliefs and expectations, as well as those of the people around me. The roles we identify with at home and at work can infiltrate our ability to rest and relax. For some of us, diligent awareness of this is necessary to create a shift. I needed the space away from tending others, work, and home in order to be able to listen deeply within, to sleep, and to rest into the quiet spaciousness of being. This last story is about a mother of two who often hears herself telling her children that it's time to go to bed. Over and over again, I repeat myself, it has been a struggle since they began their stay on this beautiful planet. It seems we come into life with a sense of urgency. There is just so much to see, to taste, to feel, to learn. I observe my kids' natural state of interest in what is before them, the book we are reading, the next episode of a favorite show, a game or a project they are working on, or their desire to process the happenings of the day. They often have difficulty transitioning from their active engagement with life and self towards a state of resting, sleeping. Even when I can see that they are tired, it seems that the sensation of tired isn't as powerful as that of interest or action. Just a few more pages, Mom, please. Like many things, it was easier for me to see this pattern outside of myself, in them, before I could apply it to my own experience. I began to wonder what it would be like if I could engage with the process of sleep and rest as deeply as I do life and living. I began to notice how subtle practices supported my engagement with rest and assisted my body in gentling into sleep. While my kids aren't quite ready to listen to me wax poetic about the transition from wakefulness to sleepiness, perhaps you might feel the inner call. I have many friends, family members, and clients who share a struggle around the process of settling into deep sleep and or staying asleep throughout the night. For some people, this experience is consistent each night, and for others it cycles in relationship to stressful situations or moon cycles or what was eaten for dinner. 
Some of us suffer from the call of our devices that stimulate our brain and eyes and make it difficult to soften our thoughts and turn towards sleep when the clock tells us it is indeed time. There are many articles available that gather together information on how to get and stay asleep. They all eventually land on the list of things you should do in order to sleep well. Hmm. Poppycock. I say this with humor, but also with a sense of frustration, because so many friends have tried to make many of these changes, yet still find sleep to be fickle or simply unavailable. When this happens, the next feeling that rises is often one of failure, and I don't feel that this supports a shift or change in any way. These lists always sound as if they hold the magic key, and in this way, I believe that they actually limit your personal relationship to deep rest and sleep. There isn't a magic recipe. Suggestions for ingredients? Yes! Yet it is up to each of us to tinker with a recipe so that it soothes our spirit, calls to it even As I move into my 50s, I understand the shifting hormones that wake and heat and wander of their own volition. It is an absolutely mysterious process. I imagine that these shifts continue as we age. While we can point to some basic things that make it difficult to sleep, there are other reasons that are tricky, tricky, tricky. It takes patience and curiosity to be present with this kind of situation Yet when we are tired, the energy for this kind of reflection isn't always available. Finding support in a friend, a therapist, or teacher is one way to bring energy or clarity to the situation. Another is to create time to reflect on sleep and rest when you are not in your bed waiting for it and wanting it. You might choose to sit with this during your most wakeful and positive time of the day. I encourage you to compile a list of things to try out for yourself. Devote a considerable amount of attention to the transition towards resting into sleep. Play with the concept that it is something you deserve and look for ways to enjoy the process of quieting from the day. How might you step yourself down, bit by bit, into a softer, soothed, gentled you that is ready to stretch out and receive? Going to sleep before 10 p.m. was an Ayurvedic suggestion made for me years ago. Initially, I didn't think there was any possible way I could manage this and get anything done because, well, I had kids. Nighttime used to be golden, no distraction time. And I sleep so much better when I roll into bed before 10. It's kind of infuriating and amazing at the same time. I've also discovered that my mind needs to be tended to as I move towards sleep. 
If I have had a stressful experience or I'm stuck working the rerun of a situation, I realize the need to process it in some way, to put it to sleep so that I can go to sleep. Journaling can be helpful. Creating written blessings helps me let go of worries or anxieties. I feel most complete when I write out my prayers, wishes, apologies, and gratitudes. Coming into the sensation of gratitude is another lovely way for me to ready for rest. Stretching slowly and languidly helps me release tension in my tissues, and when I finally cozy into bed, a conscious invitation to gentle, soften, and receive is helpful. I like to imagine that all the cells of my body are moving into deeper alignment with the pulse of existence, following their innate intelligence without constant distraction, and in turn, supporting the health of my whole body. My breath is a balm that encourages the quieting of my nervous system and mind. It is a focal point for me to come back to, and it often takes me on the inner journey that feels like rest and can often lead me to the carved door of easeful sleep. We can't know ahead of time what will be the most helpful. We can, however, commit energy and willingness to the exploration. Each of us will discover a rhythm and a variation of rightness for evening rituals that invite us to soften into the embrace of this time of rest with and for ourselves. I appreciate using the word us and we as I read and write because in pain and loneliness, we often imagine we are the only ones feeling such things. We are not alone. And when we come together, even in the vast spaciousness of our hearts and the mental business of our minds, we are often able to soften a little, open a little. What if, when we begin our journey towards rest, we wish it for all of those others who are in a slightly different yet similar situation? What if they might be wishing the same for us. What if we all decided to tend to our ability to hold ourselves with, well, with love? And what if we offered that same love to the web of connection between us? I wish you joy in reflection and discovery. I wish you delightful rest and deep restorative sleep.